Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. This is Lonnie on this end, and over here is... And I am Jeff. Glad to be with you again. Yeah, we're back. Delighted to be with you. We've been talking about the subject of water baptism. We had first, in our first series, we had gone through the subject matter in regards to the historical uh, changes that took place in water baptism and according to the encyclopedias and what the Bible says. And uh, we worked our way through all of those. And then this last session, we were talking about what is the attitude of heart that should be there when entering the waters of baptism and what can we expect to, hap <clears throat> to happen from the waters of baptism. And so I think we'll pick up right there. We talked about being buried with him in baptism, not sprinkled, buried with him in baptism, raised unto newness of life. So the water baptism types, the death, burial, resurrection, resurrected unto a new life in Christ, but no magic in the water. It's just a matter of attitude of heart. You're following what the scripture says to do, that you're identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and take on his name. Christian baptism, the bride takes the husband's name. And so we didn't marry the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We married the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's our principles in simplicity, contrary to the teachings of many churches, but God has been restoring a people back to the word, back to the Bible principle, or as Malachi 4, 4 5 says, back to the faith, turning the children back to the faith of the fathers, turning us back to the faith of the apostolic fathers. So We'll pick up on our subject, and Pastor Jeff will talk to you now for a while about water baptism. Last time we left here, we were talking about Romans chapter 6. And in Romans 6, we were looking at the scripture, if we can go down in the likeness of his death, we shall come forth in the likeness of his resurrection. And a lot of times in my office, just before I baptize somebody, I use the illustration of a seed. And I put a seed on a tabletop. And I say to the young person who's going to be baptized or the older person, I said, if I leave that seed there, can it reproduce? Can it bring forth life? And they say, of course not. I said, well, what must I do to this seed in order for it to bring forth life? They said, you have to bury it. I said, exactly. Now, what happens when you bury a seed is, is it goes under the ground. At first, <laughs> while that seed is under the ground, the earth dominates the seed, covers the seed, in a sense, overwhelms the seed, much like a sinner overwhelmed by the world. You're born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come into the world speaking lies. You were born needing a savior. You were born lost. And so you need to be born again. Now that seed, I planted in the ground. What happens? The outside of that seed, that shell, it rots, a symbol of death. Then the pulp on the inside rots. The shell and the pulp produce the fertilizer for the germ on the inside. That germ is like your soul. And then that seed then is quickened by the light of the sun. And so now what's happened, Jesus said, except a seed fall into the ground and die. He was referring to himself. He being the seed of the church, the first one among many brethren to die and raise again. The first one to be the firstborn among many brethren. He had to go into the ground, he had to die, but he didn't stay there, he rose in the newness of life. Water baptism is a symbol, that's why we're not sprinkled. We must fulfill the symbol of a death, 
a burial, and a resurrection. Seed goes into the ground. That's the attitude of the heart. Lord, I want to rot out to my desires. I want to rot out to my ways, and I want to be like you. And so down in the soul is the capacity to be like Jesus. The soul, you're a triune being, body, spirit, and soul. Your soul is either dominated by faith in God's word or unbelief. I don't believe it. And so you'll find two types of people basically in the world today. And, you know, that's for you. That's maybe that's the way you believe. But for me, I don't believe it. Now, it doesn't mean they'll always stay that way. But for the time being, their soul is dominated by unbelief. Maybe a crisis, a death of a loved one, circumstances beyond their control cause them to come to trust God and begin to walk by faith. The other side is that individual who is trusting God, who has faith down on that soul that says, I believe, I believe. Isn't it interesting that you believe and there are others that don't? Why do you believe? Well, God placed a deposit down inside of you that has the capacity to believe his word. If you can die to the flesh, die to your reasoning, there's a soul down there that wants to come alive. So if I can go down in the likeness of his death, I shall come forth in the likeness of his resurrection. That seed then is no longer dominated by the earth, is it? Now the seed that's rotted takes preeminence and power over the earth, over the flesh. Now the flesh, the earth doesn't dominate anymore. The seed on the inside dominates because I went down in the likeness of his death. You say, well, Jeff, what do I need to do to receive the Holy Ghost? And is the Holy Ghost for me today? Can people still be receiving the Holy Ghost? Can I still be filled with the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes, yes, yes. You must be, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. That means that Jesus Christ, or the Holy Ghost, comes and dwells on the inside of you. Jesus said, we will make our abode with you. Then he said, I will make my abode with you. Then he says, when I send the comforter. Then he said, when we come. So Christ comes in spirit form. We could say God comes in spirit form. Either way, and he dwells on the inside of us. Now we have, before, when you heard the word, you had an outside teacher instructing you. Now you have an inside teacher. What's the purpose of the Holy Ghost? To lead and guide you into all truth. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. There were those in the book of Acts, and I want to look at one, and we want to watch the attitude of a young man that is an Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts, and he has a, 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 just an excellent spirit, and he's hungering for more of God. Just like any believer continues to hunger for more of God, so does this man. And Philip is instructed by the Holy Spirit to go join himself to this Ethiopian caravan. Now, this eunuch is the treasurer over all of Queen Candace's uh, money. And he's going along, and it says this, and I'll read it to you. It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south, under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasure. He went to Jerusalem to worship. He's there worshiping, and he's reading the scripture. Leaving Jerusalem, he's reading the scripture. Isaiah chapter 53. Who's this man? Bruised for our iniquity. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Dumb before his shearers. Who is this man? He's wondering. Now, if you'll notice in your Bible, we find that the Ethiopian eunuch is reading the scriptures out loud. Philip hears him and he says this. 
And Philip ran thither to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said to the eunuch, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man teach me? What an attitude. Now remember, we're talking about the right attitude for the Holy Spirit. This man was teachable. This man was thirsty. This man didn't say, hey, everything I need, I already know. I, hey, don't tell me there's any more truth about God. I've got it all sewed up. And besides, I'm happy with my church. Listen, it's one thing to be satisfied in the spirit. One thing to be content with the scriptures, but never get to the place where God can't show you more. Always have your heart open for more. Go beyond the bounds of your church Ask God for more. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. There's always more. This man went beyond the bounds of his church, obviously. He was in Jerusalem worshiping. Philip comes along and he says, Do you understand what you're reading? He says, No. How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up into the caravan with him. So Philip goes up, instructs him about the word of God. Notice now the requirement for baptism and the requirement for receiving the Holy Ghost is to recognize the word of God the relevant word for your day. So this man caught the relevant word for his day. And he says this, he goes on to say, he was reading out of Isaiah, verse 34, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet, of himself or of another man? This guy that was bruised, and this man that died and took upon punishment for others, was that, was that Isaiah or was that another man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And a eunuch said, the eunuch said, Here is water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? So Philip must have talked about repentance and must have talked about water baptism. Mm -hmm. Because instantly the excited eunuch said, Here's water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? Now notice the, again the attitude of the eunuch. It wasn't, eh, Yeah, I'll get baptized in a couple months. You know, maybe when my relatives show up, uh, I'll get baptized. This man was in earnest. He repented, he wanted to be baptized, and he wanted to do it now. I, that is the attitude of a sincere heart. That's the attitude of a believing, searching heart. Now, he goes down, he's immersed in water. Philip then, the Bible goes on to say then, and watch what he says here now. Verse 37, and Philip said, you can be baptized if thou believest with all thine heart. The eunuch responds and says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That was the only thing at that point in the great history and drama of the Word of God that that eunuch needed to believe. Jesus died, buried, rose again for his justification, and now he could be baptized and identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and he could be justified, and now he was going to be immersed in water. Watch what it goes on to say then. And Philip said, you can be baptized if you believe with all your heart. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, that man is a candidate for the Holy Ghost. That man is ready to receive the Holy Spirit. He's been baptized in water. Now it's just a matter of time when he receives the Holy Ghost. Some people receive the Holy Ghost right away. Some people days later. Some people weeks later, depending on how dead you are, how, you, how dead you are to your desires. Let's look at another scripture real quick in, in Acts uh, chapter 10. And this is beautiful. I'm going to ask Brother Lonnie to elaborate just a moment too on these scriptures as I'll begin them. And 
he can uh, wrap these up. They're beautiful scriptures. Now, here we find an excellent portrayal. God is going to reveal himself to Cornelius and to Cornelius' household. He's the first Gentile to get to receive the gospel. Cornelius is going to receive the gospel because of his prayers and his alms and his fasting. Cornelius is a converted Gentile into the Jewish faith. And now Peter is commanded to go tell Cornelius about the faith. This will be the first time that Peter preaches the same gospel he's been preaching to the Jews. He's now going to preach to the Gentiles because the faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for every kindred, nation, tongue, and people. And now this Jewish man is going to give a Gentile man the gospel. Cornelius then is going to now hear the words of eternal life and his heart is going to be quickened and he's going to appreciate what he's hearing. And he begins to teach them about Jesus Christ. You'll have to read it when you have more time. And verse 44 of chapter 10 says, And while Peter yet spake these words about Jesus, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. They're hearing the word. They're believing what they're hearing. Their attitude is not critical. Their attitude is not skeptical. They're believing. And they, they of the circumcision, that's the Jewish people, which believed were astonished for as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he goes on to say, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God and they answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, not in the name of Father's Holy Ghost, in the name of the Lord, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Now notice, they received the Holy Ghost before they were baptized. Why? Their hearts were ready. These men were fasting and praying. They were ready in their spirit for a greater move of God. Their hearts were ready. And in doing so, the Bible says, when they heard the word, the word was so alive to them, then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Going, it's the right attitude towards the promises of God. They weren't skeptics. They weren't unbelievers. They weren't rejectors. They were receivers. And they received the Holy Ghost while the Word. Now, after you've been baptized, what should you do? Key, stay under the Word. Stay under the realms of the Word. You need to bathe and nurture your experience, your newborn experience, with, I'm referring to your repentance experience. Nurture that experience in the Word. Feed on the Word. Be in church every service. Every, doors, every day the door is open in church, you mean to be there hearing the Word of God. And then by the word, in some time, God says he's ready. I'll fill him with the Holy Spirit. Brother Lon, you got any comments on this? Well, I think we're at the place where we need to make a comparison between spiritual birth and natural birth, Good. Jeff. Yeah. I think that it's appropriate at this place. The same God that made natural laws made spiritual laws. And he uses the same laws in both realms. And so if we just take the natural birth... Natural birth. Now, just stay with me in your thinking. Your natural birth, a baby is about to be born. First thing that happens, the water breaks, blood comes forth, and the spirit of life enters the child when the doctor maybe spanks it or pinches it or that first breath of life and it screams out. So we've got water and blood and spirit. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing is applicable in the uh, natural, excuse me, the spiritual birth. We need water and blood and spirit. So the Water, of course, is what we're, our subject matter today, water baptism. That's your first step in being born under, and along with that in mm -hmm. repentance is justification. And then the scripture says we are sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. So blood now has entered in, 
to start this cleansing process to take out of us the desire to sin. The desires are changed. Mm -hmm. We can still be tempted because we're in flesh bodies, but the desire don't want to be that way anymore. And then, like the illustration we gave last time of the glass that was picked up in the yard, all filthy, dirty with the manure of the barnyard, and then washed, sanctified, set on the shelf for use, and then taken down, filled for the master's use. Mm -hmm. that's, that's us. You, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses mm -hmm. unto me. So water, blood, and spirit, it takes all three. You can read about these also in Ezekiel chapter 36, where God says that I'll wash you with clean water, I'll give you a new heart, and then my spirit will I place within you. So there's the, always the three steps, one, two, three. In the first John, I think it's chapter five, I'm not, not sure on that, it, it says that these, these three testify of one, and that's the, the water, the spirit, and the word, testify of one. They are not one, but they testify to the one. Because you can be justified without being sanctified. Mm -hmm. You can be justified, sanctified without having the Holy Ghost. But for the birth, it takes all three. And so that's, that's the direction we're wanting to guide you in your starting process now with repentance and water baptism to go on into sanctification, go on into the new birth. And some of the churches that, uh, well, we've talked about church ages and truths that were restored mm -hmm. along the way. And so we, we can take a church and find their doctrine and almost find in what era that church began because that's where God was unveiling the word at that time. And so the, there were those like the Lutheran, Lutheran movement just to, to believe that Jesus was your savior. That was glorious light compared to what they'd been under in the dark ages. Mm -hmm. The fact that Jesus paid it all, that was a glorious light, but God was just beginning this thing called the Reformation and Restoration. So starting the church moving forward and then Wesley came out with a second movement of grace, sanctification. You could be cleansed from the desires to sin. Then in the early 19, uh, 1906, starting in Azusa Street, Los Angeles, California, Holy Ghost outpouring, gifts of the Spirit were restored. So we've got the water under Luther's age and then the uh, blood under the Wesleyan age and then all the little offshoot movements. And you read the books written back in that era, that era and like when they received a, a Nazarene or some of those when they received a sanctification experience, they call that the new birth. Well, it was birth for their age. It was, it was meeting Jesus for their age mm -hmm. because that's the requirement in any age. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship with God. So now, then coming on up now to the restoration of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, starting in about 1906. It happened earlier than that in Russia, but the real move started out of America in 1906 and started sweeping the world. So now we've got the water, the blood, and the Spirit restored to, to the church mm -hmm. to bring a hold birth. And then the very message that we're sharing with you is to produce the baby out of the church of this age will come the bride of Christ. Out of the church of this age is going to come the antichrist. Mm -hmm. And so both are gonna be birthed out just like there was two different kinds of sons born out of the womb of Eve. Out of the church now is going to come a birth of two different, two different movements, uh, the 
Bride of Christ and the Antichrist are going to both spring out of the realms of Christianity today. But, but the birth for the true church, water, blood, spirit, takes all of those to bring, to bring out the baby. But just a baby, just starting, starting your walk in the Lord. And sanctification in the truest sense continues all your life because mm -hmm. God, God continues to show you things in your life. Don't do this anymore. Don't do that anymore. You don't need this. You don't need that. And so we're in a continual uh, walk of sanctification. But now back to our subject of water baptism. I'd just like, uh, just a quick review, Jeff, if you would. What is the heart attitude of a person going into the water, waters of baptism? Okay, the heart attitude of that individual going into the baptismal waters is, is I'm holding on to nothing of the world. Right. Let's just say that they're also a nominal church-going individual who has realized that they're backslid and they want to be rebaptized then they need to look at their surroundings and say, why have I backslid? Is my church capable of taking me higher in Christ? Is the minister that I'm sitting under, is he truly thirsty for more of God and is he moving on? And so if he's not, then you need to find a church that is moving on. You need to be fed. You need to be in the word of God. So the attitude is, is one, your heart has to be right. With God, you're willing to do anything He asks you to do, to break the status quo. Uh, the Bible says forsaking uh, houses and land, forsaking uh, a mother and father, forsaking brothers and sisters. And, and, and so, the, in other words, you're willing to do whatever it takes. You're separating from unbelief. You're separating from sin. Maybe you have old friendships in the world. Maybe old associates that you smoked with, you drank with, maybe even took drugs with. Now you're a repentant sinner. You don't associate with them anymore because you're not strong enough yet to be able to overcome the temptation. So you separate from unbelief. You separate from things that can tempt you. And you separate yourself unto the Word of God. Think of it this way. Paul in Hebrews says that they came out of Egypt under Moses and were baptized in the sea. Okay, that means that there was a t the, the Red Sea and them going through the Red Sea was a type of baptism. And so they were baptized in the sea. And being baptized in the sea then was a type of our water baptism. Then they had a wilderness journey of sanctification where God was going to purge them, teach them, prove them, try them. And then they were, their objective was to not stay in the wilderness, come out of Egypt, come out of the world, come out of sin, come out of the worldly leeks and garlics, come out of slavery. What is sin? Bondage. Come out of sin, come out of bondage, come out of Egypt under a mighty deliverance, the word of God, the power of God, a prophet. Go through your wilderness journey of sanctification and then cross Jordan. What's Jordan? It's a type of the Holy Ghost. So they had to go down into the river Jordan, die to themselves. Jordan, we've often sing the songs on Jordan, stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye. A lot of times we type Jordan as death, down to the cold river of Jordan, death. So they go down into Jordan. Now notice when they went from the wilderness into the promised land, Moses did not take them across into the promised land. Joshua did. Joshua is Jehovah's Savior. Joshua is a type of the Holy Spirit. So they went into the waters of Jordan with the priests, remember. The priests were there. The, the, the Word was there carrying the Ark of the Covenant. So they went by the Word of God. They went across Jordan. But did the... Did the battle end? No. They had, they, had to now, uh, they had to now overcome and circle the city of Jericho. They had to shout, and they had to shout for mastery and shout for victory. They had something they had to do. And Paul said it this way. 
you labor to enter into your rest. Now remember, in our rest is the Holy Ghost. Their rest was a promised land. So in Hebrews, it says that their job was to, to fight the battle, the Philistines, the Havites, the, Hitt the Hittites, the Jebusites, fight the enemy. We have the, the enemy of see, taste, feel, smell, and hear, imaginations, conscience, memory, reasoning, and affection. Fight the enemy of our mind. Fight the enemy of our flesh. Fight Satan himself who comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And so we, we have a battle. We cross the River Jordan. We go into the promised land to do what? To fight and to enter into our rest. Our rest is the Sabbath. The Sabbath, not keeping the, a day, not keeping a day, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Christ coming and dwelling in the believer. I've got a few minutes. I want to read some of this to you. It's in Hebrews chapter 3. So I'm just going to quickly make reference here really quick about this because I want you to consider these programs that we are having a Bible study. So I always want you to have your Bible handy and I want you to be reading in the Word of God with us. Now, we, we're, we have these Bible studies together with you in your living room and at your home so that you can grow in Christ. We want you to grow. Now, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear His word, don't harden your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of the temptation in the wilderness, your wilderness journey, all right? When your fathers tempted and proved me, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and say they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, and I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. What was he talking about in the Old Testament? That would be Psalms chapter 95 that David referred to as well, verse 11. The rest that they were supposed to enter into was the promised land. Our rest is the promised word. So we want the Holy Spirit to come and live in us. Now, we won't, I won't have the time, but the reason they didn't enter into their rest was because of unbelief. You read it yourself out of your Bible. Now look at chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Our rest is the Holy Spirit. All right? So how do we get into the Holy Ghost? Labor. It's not easy. Did God just give them a land on a silver platter? Did he give the Hebrew people the land on a silver platter? No, he did not just hand it to him. He says, I give you the land, but you'll fight for every inch. And for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will fight too. You'll fight the spiritual Jebusites and the spiritual Hittites. You'll fight lusts of the flesh, the eyes, lust of the mind, the lusts of the body. You'll fight, you'll fight a battle in the body because the body cannot be born again. Only the soul can be born again. So attitude, die to self. Do whatever God wants you to do. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise unto you, to your children, as many as the Lord our God shall call, even them that are far off. That's you. That's me. So seek God, the Bible says, and he shall be found of you. You hunger and thirst, you shall be filled. God bless you. We'll see you next week. To order a DVD of today's program entitled, How to Receive the Holy Ghost, write to this address or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Thank you for joining us and may the Lord Jesus Christ